apply directly to ears. We are the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Not for internal use. Oh. External use apply to ears. Easy. It's like how Q-tips say not for internal use. Like, what the fuck else am I supposed to do with these? (laughs) Just give them a good hard stare. Okay, so we are still at the Blue Gardens of Tillil. I don't know why, but I, I, and this is, I'm not like, I'm not bashing you guys or anything, but I, I honestly didn't think that this much time would be spent at the Blue Gardens of Tillil. Uh, kind of surprised me. Not, not bashing you guys or anything, but come on. And I feel like we skipped like a ton of this place. We have, you guys uh, have skipped a large portion of this place. There's a second floor. Wait, were you being sarcastic and it was just going over my head? Or, like, are you genuinely <laughs> surprised? Yeah. I I think it's because you guys have fought every single person that you've encountered. And if you had instead, like, talked them down, the encounter would have been, like, two minutes instead of, like, an entire episode. So, again, I'm not bashing you guys, but... I just thought that you were better than that. <laughs> no, nope, not me at least. Oh, the other guys are. Did you think us, the players, were better than that, or our characters were better than that? Because I'm pretty sure you didn't think we, the players, were. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, I guess I just misjudged your quality of character. Well, I've actually just been playing Utrud's character development the right way, that's all. So it's not that I'm bad, it's that that's just where he was going. I just thought you'd be better at that. I've been playing at about five uh, percent of my full potential, and yeah, I'm just that, waiting to get I think super we all sane on your that. asses. <laughs> okay, well, no, jo- Nick, I've, gained, I've gamed with you for twenty plus years, and you're typically the best gamer of the group, not the worst gamer of the group. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, but this is based on books. <laughs> but you're you're the book learned one of the group. Yeah. Those days are behind me. <laughs> Wait, what? Don't you just do a bunch of reading for work and using your brain for work? His days of reading are behind him. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I don't get paid to do this. Oh, kinda. <laughs> if this was a drinking game, I'd be crushing you guys. Mostly because Matt doesn't drink. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink either. <laughs> yeah. oh, you guys are really pulling the average down. Gotta carry. Gotta carry the whole team. You barely drink. I know. I'm in trouble. <laughs> if it was a brandy drinking game, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> you just watch out for the bourbon buster. The bourbon buster. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. So we're at the Blue Gardens of Tillow. You guys are in the under level. Uh, you've uh, killed a Sakil. You've killed Umbarno, uh, who in turn killed Teobluth. Destroyed his golem. And you also beat up some werewoods. One of them teleported away. And you guys have since rested. And that's not even getting into the chaos you guys sowed upstairs. Uh, but we have since met a brand new uh, PC named Valbar Fiddlestitch. And yeah, you guys still have a mission. Uh, despite taking care of Umbarno. And that mission is to get Marina's soul sight goggles and her notes on the veins of creation her soul sight goggles uh, were last seen by her in her office and her notes on the veins of creation 
uh, should be in the library. Now, real quick, we killed Umbarno, and he was the main source of bad guy in this place. But then there was still bad guys. Yeah. So we get, like, you know, a free pass now that we killed Umbarno. Consider this nine eaves, and consider yourselves quiche quiche. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I get, I get what you're putting down. <laughs> also, you keep calling them the bad guys, like... We did kind of come to their place. We did kind of kill them on their in their homes. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of just being the guards. <laughs> yeah, we're here with the government. Oh, the government! I hate those guys. You heard them. Kill them. <laughs> well, who knows what they're up to in this freaking garden? I mean, how That's malicious true. can you get a garden? That's true. With, they like, could fruits be and to- vegetables. They could be growing anything. Seriously, they could be growing weed. We can't have that. <laughs> Was, was that too method? <laughs> All right, so let's pick things back up. You guys are in the underlevel, and you decided let's look through some of these doors that we have yet to uh, open and see what is what else is down here. Uh, and you guys were just about to open this door. It's, uh, oh, that's right. I, you know, I felt really good about this door last time. I thought this was probably her office, and you know, her notes and goggles are like. You know, two squares this away. This is about or to go terribly. I mean, you were really pussyfooting about opening this door. I, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, because feel good about this door. More. I don't know. Okay. Uh, do we go over our uh, our level up? One more thing is that everybody <laughs> leveled up. Everyone's yeah, now fifteenth level, which is the highest level we have ever been on the podcast. Is it really? Oh wow! I feel powerful. Yeah. So who wants to go over their level 15th stuff first? Oh, anything so that I don't find out what's behind this door. <laughs> okay. uh, I'll start. Um, I got nothing because I built this character at 15th level. So yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Easy peasy. Who wants to go next? I'll follow that up. All right. Okay. So two new spells. I took Baleful Polymorph. For one, I feel like most people are familiar with that, but basically you um, cast this on a target and the subject turns into a small or smaller animal of no more than 1 HD. Well, real quick, can you then do things that you can't do normally, like to monsters with only a handful of HD, like the instant kill shit and like... Uh, yeah, you probably could, because basically what you're doing is you're forcing the target to take the, um, to change into a 1HD animal. Well, that's sweet. I don't think they lose their hit dice, but they take the form of an animal, and the list of animals that you can choose from include animals that have one hit dice. Uh, it says it works as, uh, beast shape three, so I don't know if the wording of that... Says, yeah, B uh, shape three doesn't alter your hit dice. It just give it alters your existing stats. Okay, I well this did specifically call out into a small or smaller animal of no more than one HD. I don't know if that's how they use like HD to group the animals, so you can see. Yeah, I think that's just are. I think that's just indicating like what you have to choose from. Okay, all right. Uh, there's a lot. There's a there's a bit to the spell. Um, if 
the new form, like if the animal that I choose them to turn into uh, would harm them, like turning them into a fish that's not in water, the subject gets a plus four bonus on their save to resist it. But what if they don't resist it? If the spell succeeds so they don't resist it, they must make a will save after that. And uh, if the second save fails, the creature loses its extraordinary supernatural spell-like abilities. It loses the ability to cast spells if it had the ability. uh, And it gains the alignment, special abilities, and intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores of its new form in place of its own. It still retains class level or HD. So there we go. I just need to read more. As well as all benefits deriving therefore or therefrom, uh, such as its base attack bonus, base saves, hit points. So basically, save one. If you fail your first save, you turn into a chipmunk. If you fail your second save, you gain the mental faculties of a chipmunk. Also, if I try to do this, any polymorph effects that are on the target if they fail are automatically dispelled. Yeah, you can only have one polymorph effect on yourself at once. And as long as the uh, Bayful polymorph remains in effect, the target cannot use other polymorph spells or effects to assume a new form. Um, Incorporal and gaseous creatures are immune to it. Creatures that have the shape changer subtype can revert to its natural form as a standard action. Alright, so that was spell one. They'd probably be unable to do that if they failed that second save, though. Or they wouldn't know that they could. Yeah. Second one was just a wall of force. We've seen that okay. before. Yeah. Then for feats, uh, I took extra arcana feet. So I unlock a new magus arcana for taking this feat. I also got a Magus Arcana just naturally for this level. So the first Mm -hmm. one I took was Bane Blade. Basically, I can use my Arcana points now to put Bane on Valo. Taking a page out of Teolith's book. Yeah, I I never got Bane from Teolith. I was always like, it'd be nice to get some Bane. So now, just give it to myself. And then I've actually been waiting like, three levels for 15 so I specifically could take this the second arcana is called reflection Um, I can sacrifice one or more points from my arcana pool as an immediate action to reflect a spell back at its caster this function functions as spell turning but only if the targeted spell is of a level equal to or lower than the number of points uh, of arcana points expended. If uh, insufficient amount of points are expended, they instead grant an insight bonus on all saving throws allowed by the spell equal to the number of points spent. So basically, if Uhtred's about to have a spell cast at him, he gets an immediate action, and I could say anywhere I'm going to use one to nine points and if the number of points I spend is equal to or greater than the spell level, uh uh-uh, bitch. Now it's coming right back at you. <laughs> this is where learning what spell is being cast as it's being cast comes in very handy. Which Uhtred mm-hmm. is can do that. And also, 
taking after Teoblith, Uhtred's gonna have to start juggling his immediate actions, prioritizing either spell turning or giving himself that sick, nasty shield bonus to AC. I, yeah, I already have a couple other things that use immediate actions, so like, I'm not too worried about that, because I've already been juggling them and keeping track of, like, wait a minute, that uses my next swift action, like... Alright, cool. Uh, Alright, who wants to go next? I will. Uh, mine's a simple one, but a fun one. So, first one is going to be my seventh level spell. Super stoked on it. Greater teleport. Uh, does teleport, except with very uh, little to no um, restrictions. Uh, restrictions. Mishap to, chance. Yeah, to where I'm going to go. And I don't think there is any mishap chance. Uh, there, I believe there is, but only if like you've never seen the place before. Oh, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, actually, technically, that just drops me right back to where it, uh, where we currently are. So it's not like it's gonna throw me across like the world into. It's not gonna be like oh, yeah. t- like wow, Tiablith yeah. teleporting to the wrong port, the wrong harbor. Yeah. Okay, yeah, though there's no chance what like you don't roll or anything. Even if you've never seen it before, like as long as you've got like like someone shows you on a map where to go, like you're good. Yep. Even if so yeah, even if you're given like false information, the teleport spell just fails to work instead of like giving you a nasty surprise. Exactly. Very nice. So nice. And then I have my sixth level spell. This one's a little bit I like this one. But it is, there's a little bit of complexity to it. Uh, Contagious Flame. Uh, You blast several enemies with beams of fire. You may fire up to four rays, three, but since I'm 15th level, I go up to one more um, for every plus four levels. So each uh, ray requires a ranged touch attack uh, to hit and deals 46 fire damage. The rays may be, uh, may be fired at the same or different targets, but all rays must be aimed at targets within 30 feet of each other and fired uh, simultaneously. Every round on your turn, a new ray of fire launches from each creature who took damage from the spell in the previous round. These new rays attack... Uh, as if I fired them, but their point of origin is from the previous creature damaged. So, that's pretty cool. So, it definitely behooves you to spread that out. Yeah. But if you wanted to, you could blast a guy for a bunch of D6s. Exactly. Yeah. But Well, I mean, yeah, like initial, like initial casting, it's basically Scorching Ray, but with a higher cap on the number of rays that you can fire. Uh, but yeah, the the power in it is the the damage over time. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And then my fifth level spell, I forgot what I took for that. Um, I took hostile juxtaposition. Um, which if any of you guys remember Scram, I select Who? a target. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I select a target, and I can, as an immediate action. Uh, change my location with the uh, uh, with a target that I select uh, beforehand. 
and the damage goes to that creature instead of me. What? Yep. So yeah, you, you you have to cast it as a standard action first, and assuming they fail their saving throw, uh, the spell lasts for one round per level or until discharge. So during that time, if our genus is targeted by an attack as an immediate action, you can just boop uh, switch places with physically the switch places. Yes, and the person that failed their save against hostile juxtaposition is then the new target of that attack. Can a guy hit himself? Yes. Um, that was something that Scram. Uh, I I specifically recall that Scram did that for uh, a couple of different times. I don't remember that happening once with Scram. He's just that good. Because it's an immediate action. You're essentially whatever's happening is. It, it all happens in a wink. Yeah, but if you're throwing a punch, and then you get switched with, if you switch places, like <laughs> your punch oh, yeah. isn't still going at you. If it was I a think, ranged attack, yeah, I, I would probably. Was, I think it was spell and uh, I think it was spell and uh, spell and ranged attacks. That's funny. I didn't even consider melee. How funny that would be. I was thinking like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, cool, and. I took greater um, spell penetration, which gives me an additional plus two against um, spell resistance. Spell resistances. And our genus also got a new harrow ability that for you know, a new option for the harrow ability that he has never used. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> There's like a good amount of shit that you do with that deck, right? Yeah. yeah. Basically, you can only do it a certain number of times per day, but it's not a small amount. And basically, when he's casting a spell, he can just draw a card from the Harrow deck. I don't think it's an extra action. Um, and based on what suit that card is from, the spell he casts may get like a bonus to like damage or... Or Tom uh, will get like a bonus saving to throw his AC. AC. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different effects that can happen. Oh. And it's like... Every time he uses the ability, he draws three cards and adds all of those effects to the spell. And if the card drawn matches Tom or matches our genus's alignment exactly, it counts double. Oh. I mean, that sounds kind of bad when you say it, but then you have to remember, like, our genus hardly ever casts spells. <laughs> He's too busy working. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Um, who wants to go last? I'll go last. Uh so, uh, I know I was just bashing on Tom for him not using his hero readings, but it turns out I get an ability called Trance of Three that has to do with influence, and savvy listeners may um, realize that I really haven't been using influence a whole lot as part of my my class, and uh, there's a whole bunch to it, and so uh, don't worry, I'll, I'll be using it soon, I just need Alex to explain it to me. <laughs> For the trance of three, though, I can explain that to you. I lose an influence as a swift action, and I gain a piece of another legendary influence. Like the Hierophant. Like the Hierophant, which I have summoned that one time, or channeled that one time. Yep. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other words, but yeah, I can like dip my toes into into one of the other influences. Yeah, I think it's for like one round per level or something. Uh, yep. 
Wait, hold on, time out. Are you are you telling me that you've had the ability for? No, no, no. He's no, he's no, had no. influence this whole time. <laughs> oh, At this okay. level, he gained this ability that also happens to cost influence. I That's was right. about to say, jeez. I know, I know. But we won't go over how influence works because I don't I don't really know. But that is a mechanic that I'm going to start using. So you guys are going to be like, wow, what's this influence he's always talking about? You know, it's another thing that. Uh, Thalias really hasn't used since coming back from the dead is from your variant multi-class you have I think at will detect evil and once per day you can smite evil yeah yeah no I've been saving them all they carry okay. over from day to day so I got like I got like 80 of them damn okay I better watch out all right well, what else you got before I go into what else I got there's one other thing that I don't know um so I get to apply this mercy to my lay on hands. Yes. And what which one is is fatigue the one where you don't get a good night's sleep and like you have all those negative factors associated with you? If if you fail to get a good night's sleep, you will be fatigued the next day. And, and fatigue is minus two chose, strength, minus two decks. Okay. If I chose this mercy though, I wouldn't really care about fatigue but I wouldn't get my spells back. How does that work? Right, yeah, you would still fail to get your spells back, and you would fail to heal, but you oh. would it would erase the fatigue condition. Oh, that's stupid. I'm gonna take shaken for that then, because I feel like I get shaken a bunch. Yeah, that's know. a good idea. So when I lay on hands, and I do, uh, I'm gonna remove the shaken condition from now on, which is pretty sweet. It's just gonna make me uh, give you guys the stirred condition instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got it. Da da. Um, yeah, so the big one for me, shovel-wise, is I get a new iterative attack, which is huge. My BAB went up plus one, so the shovel is going to be um, even more mighty now. And my heal spell, for or heal check, I should say, for my healing hands, uh, I'm taking a feat on that skill focus, so big ups to that now. I should pretty much never get the low roll i think i should get the high roll like all the time i haven't done the math on it but i think i'm probably pretty close i think before this like on a natural one or two you could fail to heal at all now you definitely can't do that and i think with this plus six bonus i don't think you can even get the base heal you're at least getting that that mid tier if not the full one every time so that's super sweet because i use those like candy basically it's like <laughs> wake up in the morning uh, uh, time to dump my healing hands i got three for the rest of the day in, in a never-ending cycle now uh, for anybody who's keeping track of the variant multi-classing rules um 15th level instead of a feat thalias got the mercy to add on to his lay on hands um but i am letting him retrain his catch off guard feat which he originally had to wield a shovel, but I had since given him a shovel that was technically like a mace, which you don't need catch off guard to wield. So it's a shovel shaped weapon rather than wielding an actual shovel like he used to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I think it does, uh, it, whatever, but um, yeah, basically, I felt like I stole a feat from him, so I'm I let him just kind of take a free feat. Thank you, thank you, much appreciated. 
Uh, for spells, I don't get a level six spell, I friggin' are genus, but I do get one of each, second, third, and fourth. I got uh, haste, because I'm always standing around waiting for someone to haste me so I can move farther and have more attacks. But sometimes um, they're doing other stuff like casting level six spells and, you know, taking care of business, but I still want the haste. So now I'll be the haste boy uh, if, you know, if I can. Uh, level three, I got a borrow fortune. It's a sort of a double-edged sword here. I get to re-roll a d20, uh, but then I get disadvantage for my next two d20 rolls. Yeah, but so. I'm always thinking, gee, you really goofed on this one. I, I want to re-roll it, and I never have you know the ability to, but now I do. Hooray. Okay. And for level four, I took teleport. Just because I'm so slow, uh, sometimes I think I wish I could teleport. And now I can. <laughs> Hooray. I love the idea of Thalias being like, I'm so slow, I need to be on the other side of this room. Whips out his <laughs> 100 miles per level range teleport <laughs> spell to go like 100 feet, which <laughs> is could still be tactically very useful, but just the... <laughs> Gotta go fast, man. Hell yeah. All right. Time to open that door. Yeah, finally. Yeah, my fault, guys. <laughs> a bare wooden desk stands in the center of this office. An empty shelf is built into the eastern wall, and several chairs sit along the southern wall. Doors lead to the north, uh, where it seems like it's just a closet, and to the west, where you are standing. Uh, I'm definitely going to check out that thing that seems like a closet. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah, you go open that door, and it looks like it really is just a closet. Okay, but what's in there? Like, 9 out of 10 is almost certainly just a closet. <laughs> Fuck, okay. <laughs> what about the desk? Is there goggles and paperwork uh, next to this desk? You see you see a couple, like, uh, pairs of safety goggles, but none of them are detecting his magic. This This seems like it was, like, an office that was, like infrequently used just kind of like an as needed office space in uh, the it's like a level. bait office like where they leave an office on the side of the road until someone tries to steal it yes you got it i'm familiar there's uh there's writing supplies uh paper scrolls quills stuff like that uh in the in the closet and on the desk all right well that sucks i leave this stupid bait office and i Tell everyone that uh, it's just a stupid office. Where do you go now? Well, I'm not going to lead the way because I am over one. I'll open doors, though, because I'm big and tough. Okay. Looks like Utrecht is leading the way. Yeah. Uh, Valbar is just following behind. He's got his sea invisibility, so... <laughs> of course he'll he just does. He'll follow Utrecht around. Uh, Utrecht, do you want to narrate where you're going? <laughs> just one square at a time moving through the map. <laughs> I love it. Fucking painful. I mean, I'm invisible. I I, I don't want to like announce to anybody where I am. But the listeners at home might want to know where you're going. <laughs> nah, that'd be a fuck. <laughs> we ju- we just basically backtracked um to the e- the western side of the map where there's three more. Is there three more or two more? There's two more side hallways. Yeah, we are where. Uh... The group was fighting the werewoods. 
Well, the mage ones. Yeah, we're basically standing where that the mage weirwood was when it teleported away. Yep. I can't narrate anymore where I'm going because I can't see any further. You're opening the door, Uhtred? Thelias, the door opener. <laughs> we'll open the door. All right. Uh, bookshelves line the walls of this tidy office, each stocked with uh, journals, notes, and tomes. A large wooden desk stands in the center of the room with several comfortable chairs scattered around it. A door opens to the southeastern corner where you stand, opposite another door to the northwest that looks like it's almost definitely probably a uh, closet. Okay, well, first things first, check the closet. Yo, wouldn't it be funny if there was that fucking monster that fled? That Remember, the like, the last person? <laughs> no, there was a... The weirwood that fighting people. Away? Yeah, <laughs> the weirwood is, like, hiding in the closet. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, you open the door to that closet, and it's... You could swear it was a closet. Uh, Dude, I don't in, believe it. I start fucking... Yeah, okay, go on. In this closet, <laughs> you do see a safe. <laughs> a, metal, a metal locked safe. I was about to start busting that closet up. Lucky I saw the safe before I, you know. Man. We finally come across a safe, and I... <laughs> I had to deal with geared up for fucking disabled devicing. Never got to use it. Awesome. <laughs> Fortunately, um, and I, I may have forgotten uh, this portion of your departure, but Mariana, when she said her soul sight goggles were in her office, she gave you a key that <laughs> unlocks her safe. Who'd she give it to? I parade the safe out like, check this out. Look what I found. She probably gave it to Uhtred. That would make sense. Fine. There's a safe in here, boys. Check it out. Bring it over here, Thelias. Who said that? Uhtred, where are you? Uh, Right in the doorway. Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. Stay stay right there. Let's see if that key Morena gave me. Open this thing. I take a couple steps back just in case. All right. Uh, Uhtred unlocks the safe. What does he see inside? Inside the safe, you see a clear spindle ironstone, a magical ring, and a pair of magical goggles. Ooh. Three spellcrafts? Hell yeah. It's gonna be a 29, 41, 36. I can't beat that. (laughs) I do not have spellcraft. Oh, shit. Uh, Holy shit, really? (laughs) Mesmerist and not intelligence-based. Wow. Good thing I didn't stop pumping spellcraft after T- uh, Tibalus showed up. <laughs> At 29, we'll actually uh, identify the ring, which you identify as a ring of mind shielding. This ring is usually of fine workmanship and wrought from heavy gold. The wearer is continually immune to detect thoughts, discern lies, and any attempt to magically discern their alignment. Sweet. The clear spindle ion stone uh, is basically a... Uh, ring of sustenance that Teoblith had. Uh, this stone sustains the wearer without food or water. I guess you still have to sleep as much, but... Now the ion stones, that's Uhtred's building Voltron, right? Yes. With all his ion stones? All, all How many is that now? Th- the same number of years. One. Oh. <laughs> but you weren't wrong when you said Uhtred wants to build Voltron. <laughs> I mean, if Uhtred's taken these, uh, the Ion Stone, that means he doesn't need to eat Morena's delicious cooking anymore. Yeah, well, he can still eat. He doesn't season. need to, but yeah, he can still eat. <laughs> it's like uh, Axe from Animorphs, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Buns. Buns. Yeah, buns. <laughs> buns. <laughs> um, the third item. You guys even care? I don't know. Oh, okay. I care. All right. I guess I'll give it to you then. Um, I just cut out the uh, the text from this, but it left a weird uh, looking border. But here's a picture of these goggles, which Uhtred identifies as Mariana's soul sight goggles. Boom. Second office is the charm, as they always say. This set of goggles is engraved with geometric patterns and arcane runes. The wearer can immediately see and discern magical auras within 60 feet as arcane sight. In addition, the wearer is more clearly able to see the animating forces of incorporeal creatures and can therefore harm incorporeal creatures with non-magical attacks, though these attacks deal only half damage. If the wearer uses a magic weapon to attack an incorporeal creature, the attack deals full damage instead, so no ghost touch needed. The goggles have no effect on attacks made with ghost touch weapons, so you can't get super ghost touch. Uh, once per day on command, the wearer can amplify the goggles' ability to sense animating forces for one hour. This amplification allows the wearer the ability to notice, locate, and distinguish between living and undead creatures within 30 feet, just as if she had a psychopomp spirit sense. So that's like basically blind sight for soul-based creatures, hmm. uh, in addition to identifying if they're dead, undead, or living. Nice. The goggles do not grant the wearer the ability to discern magical auras while amplified. Now, I want to get excited about these goggles, but it seems like she wants them back. She does want in them theory. back. <laughs> but that doesn't stop us from using them in here. Yep. Oh, in fact, okay. the first thing Uchi wants to do, and not to keep it, like if people want these, we can roll or whatever for them, but Uchi wants to put these on, and he wants to look at Randolph and our genus like where their obols should be. Yeah. And see if like they're actually visible or All right, yeah. Uh you put these well, you have to take your precious yeah, Death I, I Watch off. goggles off. Now I got them, boys. <laughs> yeah, but these have Death Watch <laughs> goggles. Quick, grab them. Uh so you put these Soul Sight goggles on and uh you basically see the world as a psychopomp does. Well, actually this would be the once per day on command for one hour uh, function. So, I mean, you can turn that on right now and take a look, but that'll be its once per day thing. Before I turn it on, just looking with it off. Yes. Can I see ovals now? Elias, come over here quick. Yeah, so you see uh, magical auras as if uh, using arcane sight. So you're basically constantly using detect magic and like you're seeing ores as if like they were in your sight for three rounds straight is how arcane sight works and the other constant thing is uh the incorporeal buff um you're looking at thalias and you don't see an obol uh, like you, nothing what? is like jumping out at you uh-oh all right while looking at him, i'm gonna activate the once per day okay uh, so yeah, you uh, you activate the you amplify the sight of the soul sight goggles, and yeah, you can see the world as psychopomps do, um, just by looking at each person in this room. Like you innately know that they are alive. Uh, you know, it, if they, uh, you know that Valbar is invisible, but you can suddenly see him like perfectly, and in each 
at each person's chest is this like dazzling, uh, like almost like a like a sun flare you see on like a like a camera lens. It's just this dazzling, uh, glaring light that just kind of like uh, like starbursts out from their chest. Oh, so we finally see the ovals, huh? You can oh, see oh, the ovals. Let me see. Let me see. All right, all right. Hold on. Ucho takes off the uh, the goggles and he gives them to Elias. Do I see the same thing? Yeah, copy paste. Oh, sweet. Hey, can I see Randolph? Is he anywhere in here? You don't see Randolph. The uh, lights. I disappointingly take off my goggles and give them back. No. Ucho <laughs> uh, will pop them back on, and uh, he wants to look at um, Valbar. Does he also have a sunburst in his chest? Yes, he does. Suspected as much, but he didn't seem to know what they were. I think he did. I thought he said last episode he didn't know about any ovals. I mean, I haven't had I haven't had the time spent since dying to really <laughs> learn about them day. very much. <laughs> so yeah, sweet. So, what are all these papers on the desk? Is this notes and stuff? Do we find this is the twofer? This is our office, right? Yeah. So the notes. Yeah, they're definitely shuffling through papers and definitely. opening drawers. Definitely notes and stuff. Uh, you're not seeing anything that's jumping out at you as uh, the notes on the veins of creation. And we specifically were supposed to get notes on veins of creation? Yes. And we know that's in the library. Yes. Oh, jeez. Well, nonetheless, Elias, we should, we should gather up those notes, too. Yeah, just in case. They're probably Morena's if they were in her room, so... Who knows, sometimes the smallest bit of information can unlock such a large amount more. I nod furiously. Looking at some of the notes, a lot of them look like uh, like city plans, like uh, like, like a, a city block and like the placement of buildings and stuff. And it almost looks like a schematic for setting up a... Basically, like it's not like the veins of creation, but... Mariana has developed a way to create like a small isolated mini veins of creation network that can power like a city block or a, like a single building. Um, and this is this seem uh, apparently is like a pretty new technology that Mariana has like very recently had a breakthrough on, uh, but still very limited, very expensive. Uh, but it seems to be notes towards that uh project sweet all right so where do you guys go next uh i don't know the next door we didn't ever open south south uh west all right you uh you go southwest and there's another western hallway jutting out from there it goes west about 20 25 feet and ends in a north facing doorway now before i open this door i'm gonna put my ear up to it and cup, you know, my ear on it and listen. You should also touch the handle and see if it's hot. Good I'll thinking. touch it with the back of my hand. Attaboy. That's, even better that's thinking. the best way to do it. I usually I usually test it with my mouth. <laughs> uh, give me a perception check. Uh, perception check. Hey, you said you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I said. Okay, <laughs> okay <22. good. laughs> You don't hear anything on the other side of the door. Okay. I swing it right open then. It looks like a 
dormitory. Uh, pretty similar to the one that you guys saw on the eastern side of the underlevel. Four cots. Any closets? No, no closets, which you find very suspicious. <laughs> um, the only difference that this dorm room has from the other one is the other one seemed like no one had used it in a very long time. This one seems like it has gotten very infrequent and light use. Pop off the detect magic. Well, if you're still wearing those goggles, you got that arcane sight, which is just oh, always yeah, on true. detect magic. Oh, this is the perfect person to have these goggles. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are no magical auras in this dorm. Okay, so you guys are done with the dormitory. The only other thing that you have not seen down here is when you first came down and you originally fought Paldrain uh, in this like central chamber that has a western and eastern wing. You exited to the east. You never went through the western door. Um, also, at the southwestern end of that hallway that you were just in it ends in rubble like the ceiling collapsed on it uh looking at the map it looks like maybe the two connect especially considering how symmetrical this place is i mean i run over to the door and open it just expecting to see a pile of rubble yeah yeah okay you find a pile of rubble sitting in front of a pile (laughs) of gold (laughs) barney rubble himself uh, yeah, you open the door in about 15 feet, at, after about 15 feet of eastern hallway, you see some more rubble. I close the door and say to the team, I don't know what I expected, and hustle to catch back up with them in a more reasonable direction, like C1 with the ladder. Alright, so you guys go back up the ladder. Uh, that brings you back to B12, which was the door on the ground, the room on the ground floor that had the like the crazy secure doors with the the vines and like the the big like blocky recess in the door that seemed like it was missing some key component that would open the door despite the fact that you guys nailed your knowledge arcana check to disable the locks and true or false this room is a control room of sorts yes it seems to be the control center of the facility at least of like the security systems and the uh, like the the light systems uh, can control a lot of things from this room. Sweet. All right, so you guys are back up in this uh, this room that uh, has two like unopenable doors. Uh, what do you do? We're gonna spend an hour to get into the mainframe. So whoever is working on that needs to give me either a knowledge arcana or knowledge nature or use magic device check. Uh, are there different? TCs. Nope. Okay. I'll go for a use magic device to try and assist, try and help out here. I'll do a knowledge arcana. Not my best work. Yeah, same. But that's a 28 use magic device for Valbar. And a 33 knowledge arcana for Utrud. Anyone else? Um, I'll give it a whirl. Um, 19 use magic device. 12 for knowledge arcana. It's a way to help our genus. <laughs> I don't think I can get. I don't think I can roll past the ten on. A... Yeah, I had the best roll on the dice of the four of us, and I rolled a nine. Uh, yeah, nine seven four seven four four seven. <laughs> All right, so uh, Utrid has successfully uh, tapped into the control network. 
Um, so from this hub, you can now alter the light level on the grounds or in the facility, change the locks on most of the doors. Uh, you can unlock them all or set them to unlock for only a specific person. You can disable the moss golem in the greenhouse, and you realize that there is a almost like an elevator system in the the shaft that you just climbed out of, where you could like turn it on, or uh, just kind of you can like set specific people to be uh, to be keyed to it, and the vines that are like reaching up out of the shaft will actually kind of like partially animate and you just kind of like grab hold of one and it'll create like handholds and footholds and it'll just like lift you down or lift you up sounds a little spooky but cool those are all the functions that are at your disposal Uhtred alright well 100% turning off the Moscow <laughs> and we're unlocking all doors specifically for the four of us alright smart smart uh, and it didn't have any ability to, like, indicate where specific rooms were. Like a map, you know? Like the controls are set up in, like, a turn this knob and these lights light up so we can actually see where in the complex we are. No, I don't really care about that because I think we've been able... We just couldn't see down down there. Uh, I was thinking more to locate what the library is. Can we set the the bioluminescence to like light a path for us to where we need to go oh there you go there we go i turn all the lights off i find the library and then light up light up a path i would say that you have a a map similar to like the you are here maps in a mall yeah that was uh at your disposal um so yeah you would know the exact location of the library beautiful Real men of genius right here. I start high fiving everybody. How do we get out of this room? I open. I I unlocked all the doors to us. Uh, these these doors do not unlock. Oh, I think we use that sweet staff we found in the uh, shed. Yep. So we'll do that again. So, uh, you you can use the magical rod to give you another charge of pass wall and bring yourself back out into the hallway which is where you had that like multi stage fight when you first uh, came inside you know that there is a staircase uh, in the if you go all the way to the west and there's like a three-way intersection you can go north or south if you go all the way north there's a staircase that leads up and you know that if you go south and then you go all the way south and then hang a left to go east. There's another stairway uh, over there that goes up. All right, if you guys scroll down a little bit to the left of the underlevel map, I have highlighted the hallways and then there's a balcony on the east end of the, uh, of the second floor. And the library, you know, is right there. Yeah, we would have never found that. <laughs> That's little. All right. There's a lot of rooms in this place. There's a ton of rooms in this place. This place is basically just doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of doors. I've seen more doors though. The door garden of Talil. Seriously, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to pass that along. We'll get it renamed. The blue guard door of Talil. And just for posterity's sake, I'll 
reveal over here, even though you'd never be able to see. Reveal the whole map, you coward. Never be able to see that northern, uh, like alleyway between the the northern fence oh. and the north wall <laughs> of the building. Because the <laughs> fucking border in this book, but it's there. Don't we? Don't we know a guy at Paizo? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, we know yeah. a lot of guys at Paizo, but it's a matter of do they know us? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Paizo, can you uh, can you go change the maps on these Pathfinder One E books <laughs> for me? The, this game that you no longer care about. <laughs> All right. So I'm assuming you guys make your way up to the library. That. Seems like the most prudent course. Yeah. All right. Uh, just let me know which route you take. And I'm hoping, does Uhtred's goggles let him see stuff through, like, can he see magical stuff walking by, you know? Maybe there's treasure and we don't have to, like, open every door to find it. He wouldn't be able to see magical auras through solid barriers, but. Oh, God damn it. All right. Uh, but yeah, it looks like the shortest path to get there would be to, to head right to those, you know, head down that stair, the hallway to the west, and then north to the northern staircase, and that puts us pretty close to the library. Sweet. Let's do it. All right, so you guys head straight to the library. No detours? No detours. What's in the library? I walk right in. You open the door. Tall bookshelves fill the west wall of this library. The collected tomes range in age from pristine books to weathered volumes. An empty table sits in the center of the room, and a door opens in the eastern wall where you are standing. Uh, I'm going to start pulling books, you know, hoping that maybe there will be like a turnstile type deal. (laughs) Looking for a secret passage? Yeah. First impression, Uhtred, you are detecting no magical auras. Oh, what the hell? Well, we were looking for notes in here. Yeah. Anybody who wants to start searching, give me perception checks. Uh, I also wouldn't mind, like, really thumbing through this library for other information. How much time are you gonna, are you prepared to spend? Well, Uhtred's a library whore, so... Yeah. As much as it takes... Uhtred wants well, to defeat this library like we did with uh, yeah, the Bastion and Gallowspire. Yeah. I'll remind you that for, you know, there's lots of unknowns in this area, including who might still be walking around while you're looking through this library. But, you know, beyond that, yeah, I mean, Uhtred can spend as much time as he wants in here. Uh, but on the perception, Valbar got a 37. Oh, fuck okay. off, Valbar, you little bitch. Uhtred <laughs> got a 23. I got a 14. <laughs> isn't isn't there like a certain role you can make as a linguistics? Well, for now, we're just seeing like how everybody fares searching through this library for the notes. Uh, you guys start searching, and about an hour passes in this library. Uh, and with a 37, uh, <laughs> nobody was going to find shit, but Valbar uh, saved you guys. Valbar, you do find Mariana's notes on the veins of creation. Uh, it's just on one of the many shelves in here. Um, and in addition to that, you find 
a book that has been bound in a lead-lined cover, which actually made it impossible to detect with divination magic. But upon, like, opening the book, the lead protection goes away, and Uhtred is immediately aware of a new magical aura, and you can give me a spellcraft check. 35. Uh, you identify this as a Book of the Lore Master. This digest-sized book contains a seemingly random collection of words, phrases, and strange mnemonic aids. Three times per day, a bard can consult it while using the Lore Master class feature in order to gain a plus five competence bonus when taking 10 or taking 20 on a knowledge check. Hmm. If we had a bard, that would be really cool. Hell yeah. Um, so, Uhtred, why don't you give me a knowledge arcana or knowledge nature check? Since you are pointedly trying to conquer the library. Yeah. It's a 45 knowledge arcana. There's a word for it. Curating this library. Into my mind. Yeah, you know that digesting the knowledge of this library would take you, like, weeks. Doing so would give you a plus eight bonus on identifying and uh, utilizing magical ley lines or magical plants, um, but it would seem that unlike the Bastion of Light Library and the uh, the, tr- the trove of knowledge that Emeritus had uh, amassed in Gallowspire, this library is almost exclusively just research notes, articles of uh, scientific study, and... While there's certainly, uh, you know, benefits to reading it, knowledge to be gained, uh, you're not going to get, like, you know, all the the cool, uh, like, oh, did you know that this happened uh, kind of stuff that you got with the other two libraries. Uh, that is certainly something that Uhtred can uh, take time to uh, hunker down and uh, commit himself to. But, yeah, this is... Not just like a single afternoon worth of reading that you have ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Not super worried about ley lines. Alright, so what do you guys do now? Well, we have everything, don't we? We have notes, we have goggles, we killed Mbarnu. Yeah. Mission accomplished. I'm good with mission accomplished, yeah. I think it's we're good to teleport back to Yoli's spawn. Well, before we do that, uh, let's make sure that th- it does the magic force field from us like teleporting only applied downstairs or is that upstairs as well yeah uh, Uhtred with your with those goggles would have like specifically seen that uh actually I don't think that function works for the goggles for the hour that you had the uh that extra function on where that you could see the ovals but I mean in lieu of that you could have been using detect magic but yes you only you, you know that that effect is only was only in the uh, under level. All right. Since you're leaving, though, uh, I do want to just share. Uh, nobody ever found out where that teleport trap led to. Uh, it would have brought you inside the greenhouse that the moss golem was in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. That's funny. But that would have like, been fun. That's hilarious. Not Honestly, not as bad as I thought it would have been. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> All right, uh, everybody, uh, gather around. I got this one. Oh, don't you want to just use regular teleport? You know Yali's Pond so well by now. You don't even need greater teleport. 
I will also say too, I probably have a more, uh, I have probably more uses of my greater teleport than everybody else with their teleport. You're probably not wrong. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, gather around. And uh, of course, our genus snaps his fingers and we uh, head off to uh, Morena's place right at the kitchen table. Right. right at the where? Right at the kitchen table. <laughs> Just teleport like into the, like onto the chairs. Yep. Face first <laughs> into some food. <laughs> About to teleport like, all right, hold on. Everybody take a deep breath and open your mouths. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, you guys teleport out of the blue gardens of Talil and return finally to Yoli's Pond. Good old population 7,840. You uh, reappear inside the familiar site of Mariana's kitchen, and you see Mariana clutching her chest, uh, seemingly dealing with the fright that you just gave her. <laughs> the, the heart attack of four people just randomly popping into her kitchen. <laughs> yeah, not the front door, like knock, 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 we're back. But yeah, right in the kitchen. Oh, oh, oh! You know it is, it is considered very rude to teleport directly inside somebody's house. I look over at our genus, as if this was his fault and his fault only. Yeah, kind of was. Uh, <laughs> but I am glad to see that you are all right. Uh, wh- but where is the elf? Where is Teobleth? Let's just say he didn't have the heart to carry on. Valbar motions wow. to the bag of holding. He is wow. in there. Oh. Oh my. It feels it feels like you're uh, referencing something, Utrid, but uh, I don't. Did, did it sound? It sounds like he's like he just decided to leave. But from your tone, I think maybe something more dire. If he's in a if he's in a bag of holding, yes. Uh, well, that is very sad indeed. I I, li- I liked that elf. Uh, you might have been the only one. He was not the most polite house guest, but he was very smart and he uh, he could hold a, a intellectual conversation. Uh, so you have returned from the Blue Gardens, and I see that you. Uh, I see that you met Valbar with no, uh, no issues. No issues with him, but we certainly met our issues there. Yes, yes, I suppose you did. But should I assume that your presence here means that you were successful? We were. Uchard will take her goggles off his head and hand them to her. She takes them. Replace her goggles with his goggles. And Umbarno and the other botanists, should we expect their return any time soon? The elf's in a bag of holding. What do you really think? I believe the one you refer to as Umbarno is deceased. The others I cannot speak to. Well, if he was truly so lost as to attack you with lethal force unprovoked and truly he uh he was beyond saving to be fair to him barnu he 
seem to be under the influence of... I'm trying to stall for time to think of the name. Under the influence of a Sekiel. So, yes. Her face darkens. Foul creatures. Very. You took care of the Sakheel, at least, I hope. Oh, of course. We took care of everybody that stood in front of us. Her face doesn't grow darker, but it does seem to uh, drop a, a little bit more. Well, the important thing is that we can move forward with this little project of ours. She puts her she puts her hands on her goggles again. She says, "Oh, see the goggles need to be recharged." Well, that is fine. I suppose you all uh, need to rest anyway. So why don't you take the rest of the day to relax, enjoy? the city of Yolispan once again, and tomorrow we will continue our research. Uh, just sort of nod along. Not super keen on her research. We're just going to stand up. Arena, up until now we've gone about this your way. At your request, we have waited to visit Timbaha Mountain. We are one... Fewer than when we started. <clears throat> yeah, Uchard's not going to correct himself. He doesn't know if you're sticking around or what. Oh, alright. Got him. That being said, the clock is starting to run out. I hope that your research can be done quickly. Because this was a very real reminder that while you are researching our home is being continually subjugated to the undead. I am well aware, Utrid. Good. I just figured it was worth reminding you. I would caution you against lumping all of the undead into one basket. Not all are as the Whispering Tyrant. Don't you worry, Valmar. We're way more aware of that than most. Uh, Uhtred's gonna get up and leave. He's got a little shopping to do. I think Uhtred's a, a, a little bit more upset about the elf being dead than he thought he would have been. I will remind you guys that uh, the city's markets are not super liquid right now. Uh, with the destruction of the docks, they are currently being repaired, but in like, that was the main in and out of any goods or uh, raw materials or anything. Uh, so, you have... Let's just teleport to another city that's not fucked up. You can do that. Uh, you can do that, certainly. Um, teleport to Absalom and back. <laughs> yeah, you, so you can do that. Um, but just remember that Yoli's Pond, before it got its docks destroyed, was exceptional in how available uh, magic items were. So you can teleport to another city, uh, but just know that depending on what city you teleport to, there could be you know, other limitations. Uh, how hard do you think it would be in Yuli's plan to get my hands on a Pearl of Power 4th level and a Pearl of Power 5th level? Until the docks can be repaired, until the harbor can play catch-up, the PCs will be unable to buy unlisted magic items at an extra cost. 
You will, however, still be able to roll to see if you can find an unlisted item costing up to triple the city's base value, uh, which you have a 75% chance of getting an item worth 8,000 gold. You have a 50% chance of finding an item worth up to 16,000. You have a 25% chance of finding an item worth up to 24,000. Hmm. I guess I can't even find what I'm looking for. Correct. All right, so what do you guys want to do? If I'm not shopping, I think Uchard's going to start reading Teobliss notes. All right. I mean, I might definitely do uh, shopping, but that's going to be in between sessions. <laughs> Fair. True, true. All right. Does anybody mind if we jump to the next day? Uh, no, sounds good to me. Sounds fine to me. I'm sure with enough reading, Uhtred will uh, uncover some uh, interesting stuff from Teobleth's notes, but just like with that library, there's quite a lot of reading material. Um, but yeah, so you guys, uh, you take a rest, you sleep in Mariana's house, wake up the next day. And uh, you find Mariana, she's already wearing her goggles, and she looks like she has renewed purpose. She looks very excited to get started. <laughs> and she says, uh, Well, it is a new morning. I have my goggles, I have my notes. Who's ready to find out the secrets of these opals? Belias takes a half step backwards. Oh, was she asking for like a volunteer? I mean, she was just like, who's, like, like just basically going, like, who's excited? Like, we're gonna, we're finally doing this. Dude, I've seen those goggles. Yeah. <laughs> if you're telling me she's wearing them and asking us who's ready to figure out the old balls, that sounds like some crazy shit. Mm. Like, I'm interested, but just, like, half step backwards from where it all is going on. Elias, <laughs> do you think that you could help me, uh, and, uh, and ha- allow me to take another look at your old ball? <laughs> Okay, it's exactly what I was trying to avoid. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, yeah, of, of course. I was, yeah, sure. All right. When I take a half step forward as if that was always going to be the plan and no one saw me do that. Okay, so uh, Mariana brings you all down to her uh, examination table. Uh, she asks Elias to lay down uh, on the table and she casts her spell again. You see the familiar sight of these root-like growths extend from her fingertips before burrowing into Thalias' chest. And Thalias, while you're braced for that same deep tissue massage sensation, uh, this time it doesn't come. And her goggles appear to have increased her level of perception and precision with her magical probing as she can utilize a much more delicate touch than before. Uh, and Instead, nothing more than a light pressure, like a thumb dragged firmly across your chest, can be felt. Okay. And she doesn't speak for a long time, besides an occasional uh, pause to reference her notes or comment about how much easier this examination is with her goggles. Uh, finally, after nearly an hour of probing, she dismisses her spell. The root-like tendrils withdraw from your chest and back into her fingers. And none of you are fatigued, uh, but Thalias, your chest is admittedly a bit tender, though you're sure that's only temporary. Okay. She looks around at you all, and it's kind of hard to read the expression on her face. She uh, lifts her goggles up and has them resting on her forehead. Uh, She kind of looks like she's trying to find the right words, or even like she's like a child deciding whether or not they want to tell the truth about something. Finally, 
She sighs. Well, that was certainly enlightening. I believe I now have all the pieces of the puzzle that was Aroden's meddling. Much of it was already guessed at, but I believe I can now say this for certain. It would seem that Aroden infused the tiniest fragment of his soul into the Kumaru tree at Tumbaha Mountain. This gave him greater control over his manipulation of the tree's growth and allowed him to forge his shield from it, the Shield of Aroden, which then shattered in the battle against the Whispering Tyrant and became the Shattered Shield of Arnisant. Shattered though it was, Aroden's spark of divinity remained within each piece. When one of these shards was detonated near you, a tiny sliver found purchase in each of your hearts. Without the echo of Aroden's soul energy within these shards, the slivers would have simply killed you all. And I imagine in many incompatible victims, it nonetheless did exactly that. But these specific slivers, and your specific souls, happen to share a similar... Call it a metaphysical frequency, allowing the slivers to not only embed themselves into your hearts, but into your very souls. This all would have occurred within a fraction of a second, and is nothing short of a minor miracle. She pauses for a moment and closes her eyes with a pained breath. I can restore the Kumaru tree. Well, in a sense, when Aroden died, the tiny piece of his soul that lived within the Kumaru tree also died, and with it, the entire tree became withered and dead. The Shattered Shield of Arnisant, however, wasn't a living thing when Aroden died, and therefore, neither are the slivers in your hearts. They are instead a source of pure Kumaru energy that I can use to flush out the echoes of Aroden's death that linger within the veins of creation and restore them to their original, unaltered state. But first, I would have to flip your Kumaru Trace's frequencies. As they are now, they, well, mm, to oversimplify, they absorb negative energy. After flipping their frequency, they will amplify positive energy. Doing this, as well as flushing the echoes of Aroden's death, is something we must be at Tumbaha Mountain to do, which is obviously not safe to do at the moment. I know you have been itching to go there. I know I cannot stop you from doing so. I will not pretend you won't be doing our city yet another great service, but as to flipping your Kumaru frequencies, I will only do this with your informed consent. In addition to being able to restore the Kumaru, this flipped frequency will have another benefit. If Tarbefon uses his radiant fire, the feedback loop he creates will funnel unerringly back to its source, that is, Tarbefon himself, no matter how powerful he may be. This would surely obliterate him, though as he is a lich I cannot say to what extent. Perhaps it would completely eliminate him forever, or maybe it would merely send him back to his phylactery, where he would regenerate as normal. At any rate, I am sure that it would destroy the piece of the Shattered Shield of Arnisant in his palm, which will forever rob him of his super weapon. Unfortunately, this would come at a cost. 
Removing your Kumaru traces from your hearts is impossible. They're woven into your souls so completely that removing them would tear your souls apart. This would be worse than mere death. Your souls would be destroyed, completely and irrevocably. You would receive no judgment or afterlife in the great beyond, and no magic, not even deific magic, could return you to life. And in order to trigger this catastrophic failure in Tarbafon's radiant fire, you would need to be his targets, or at least be present at ground zero of the blast. As your Kumaru traces are now, getting caught in this weapon would merely send you both and your traces to the great beyond, where your souls would be judged and sent to their final rewards, as is the normal way of things. But with a flipped frequency and amplifying positive energy, this would destroy your Kumaru traces, as good as removing them from your hearts and souls. So, in summation, I could flip your Kumaru traces' frequencies, restore the Kumaru tree, and give you a means to thoroughly set back Tarbafan, if not destroy him completely. But by doing this, you would have to sacrifice everything. This is a group decision. I cannot flip one trace without flipping all of the traces. And not just yours. This procedure would flip the frequency of every person who has a Kumaru trace, wherever they are, as you are all so connected. As for getting caught in the Radiant Fire's blast, the fate of anyone with a flip frequency who was not present, I cannot say. I believe they would be unaffected, though their trace would likely become inert or dulled. But there is a chance that the fate of those willingly sacrificing themselves would be shared with anyone on all of Galarian who also had a Kumaru trace in their hearts. And she takes a shuddering breath and begins shuffling out of the room. I will give you some time to talk, and we'll see you next week. Duh. On the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. Day.